that you are here. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 13. And as you are there in Matthew 13, I'm going to ask you a question. How would you teach a crowd? If you had a crowd coming to you, and this is your opportunity to teach them about God, to give them the gospel, what would you say to them? How would you teach them? And what would that ultimately look like? You have a large crowd. What would you tell them? In Matthew 13 and verse 1, you'll notice that Jesus has that very thing. We're told that Jesus has great crowds as he comes to the side of the lake. And there he is uh, beside the sea. And the crowd is so large that verse 2 tells us that he goes ahead and gets into the boat. And as you can imagine him sitting there on the shoreline in the boat, sitting there teaching the crowds that are standing there as they've pressed into the side of the sea. And I want you to notice that here is ultimately what Jesus turns around and does is that verse three says he told them many things in parables. Why would you do that? With your one opportunity, with this great crowd thronging to you, pressing into the side of the sea, and here Jesus must move into the boat, and you now begin to start teaching spiritual stories. In fact, we're told later on in verse 34, this is the only thing he taught crowds. When crowds come to him, he starts telling stories. And to be aware... If you've read through various parables, those parables aren't simple or easy. They're often fairly complex. Sometimes you read them and you go, I don't know what that meant. And the disciples felt the same way many times when they heard the parables. They were like, we don't know what you just said. Jesus, why would you be telling people parables? Why are you telling them parables? complex stories, stories that are not easy to understand. As you think about that, I want you to listen to what this would have sounded like. Jesus gets into the boat. He sits down. The crowds are pressing up to the side of the sea. And here's simply what he says. Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. And other seeds fell on rocky ground where there was not much soil and they sprang up quickly because there was no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, they were scorched since they had no root and they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some 100, some 60, some 30. If you have a here, listen. And he's done. That's it. Imagine hearing that. Imagine coming up to them going, what did did he just say? Why is he telling stories about birds and seeds and it landing on different ground? What a strange, strange story that Jesus tells. In fact, I want you to notice that it is so strange That in verse 10, you'll notice that the disciples then come up to him. You can imagine the scene's done here. The disciples come up to him and go, why are you talking to them in parables? Why are you doing this? This was what your one shot. 
This was your great opportunity. The crowds are coming to you and you told them a story about seeds and ground and birds. What are you doing? We expected something else. That would not be what you would expect him to say. Why would this be the teaching point? Why would he teach the crowds in this way? And so just as much as you might read this and go, well, I wouldn't be telling complex spiritual stories, certainly without explanation. The disciples had the same confusion. Why are you doing this? Well, I want you to notice the answer that Jesus gives. In verse 11, this is what he tells his disciples. He says, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and those who have an ab- and they will have an abundance, but those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Well, that answer might have been just as complex as the parable itself. As Jesus now turns to the disciples and and says, well, here's the reason why I tell them parables is because they don't see, hear, or understand. There you go. Clear, right? Well, let's start breaking down what Jesus is saying to get an understanding about why when he talked to crowds, he spoke this way, why it was important that he did that and what that ultimately means for us as we encounter the word of God today. Verses 11 and 12 can be a little bit of a challenge because he begins by saying, you disciples have an understanding that the crowds don't have. To you, it has been given the secrets of the kingdom and the rest of them do not have that. Now, that on the surface sounds a little bit difficult. And what I'm going to do is come back to that at the end to explain what that means. We need the rest of the story to understand exactly what he's saying, because especially when you read verse 12, when he says, well, those who have more will be given and those who don't have, they're going to have even that taken away from them. Well, what is he trying to say about this situation? It's awfully confusing. So we'll have to double back to these two verses about what he means about these disciples who have versus the crowds who do not have. But I want you to notice then verse 13, and we'll make this our start point. The reason, he says in verse 13, I speak to them in parables, is that seeing, but they do not perceive, hearing, they do not listen, nor do they understand. I want you to notice that Jesus says, I'm talking in parables to the crowd. Because they see, but they're not really seen. Now, on the surface, that might sound a little bit confusing, but I think I can explain this idea pretty well. There are times where I have gone into the kitchen and I have perhaps gone to the pantry or to the refrigerator looking for something in particular. And I open the door, I glance and I look around and I... I don't see what I'm looking for. And my wife will go, what are you looking for? I can't find the salsa. And she will walk up and give it about a half second. Boom, find right where it's at and give it to me. And I will be like, well, I have been looking and looking and looking and I couldn't find it the whole time. 
And usually the answer back is something like this. You weren't looking hard enough. To which I will usually respond, yes, I was. I was absolutely looking hard. But the result shows actually I wasn't, was I? I like to think that I was giving great effort and I was looking really hard. And if you asked me if I looked really hard, oh yes, I looked diligently. I was seeking like nobody's business, but clearly I wasn't. I was unwilling to look hard enough until I found it. I looked to a point and then I gave up. That's what Jesus is saying about people. He says, the reason I'm telling parables is because they're looking and they think they're looking, but they're not really looking. They think they're seeking. They think they're hearing. They think they're grasping, but they're actually not seeing, hearing, or grasping. And I think that's quite an indictment that Jesus is making right here as he uses this illustration in a spiritual way to say they think they see, but they don't see. They think they're hearing me. They're not really hearing me. They think they're comprehending spiritual truths, but they're really not comprehending them. And he says, that's why I speak to them in parables. And you'll notice he proves it then in verse 14. In verse 14, he says to them, indeed, this is fulfilling the prophecy that Isaiah said. You will indeed listen, but never understand. You will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Really interesting answer that he gives. He says, this is exactly what Isaiah prophesied about. Now important, when you go back and read Isaiah, Isaiah was not prophesying and saying, One day down the road, 700 years from now, when Christ comes, there's going to be a bunch of people who think they see, but don't see and think they hear, but don't hear and think they understand, but don't understand. Isaiah was talking to his day and time. He was speaking directly to them and saying, you all think you see, but you don't see. You all think you hear, but you don't hear. And Jesus comes along and goes and says, 700 years later, nothing's changed. The people's hearts are exactly the same. In fact, notice what it says there in verse 15 as an explanation why they see and don't see and hear, but don't hear and understand, but don't really understand. Verse 15, he says, the hearts of the people are dull. They had hard hearts. That's why. He says the reason that they lack the perception, the reason they're not really seeing, they're really hearing or really understanding, boils down to the heart. He says further, their ears are hard of earing and their eyes were closed. In fact, so strong are these words that Jesus says there at the end of verse 15 that If they had looked with their eyes and listened with their ears and understood with their hearts and turned, I would heal them. 
If they weren't in this condition, they were, would be able to experience the healing that I've come to give. But the problem is they have eyes but don't see. They have ears but don't hear. They have minds but don't grasp. So they have everything in place, but the issue is they have closed their eyes. They have shut their hearts. They are unwilling to truly seek and truly hear what Jesus is trying to do. Now, that's an unusual answer because here's what I want you to think about for a minute. How does that explain why Jesus spoke in parables? That's his answer. Wouldn't you think that the answer would be the opposite? Because their hearts are so dull and because their eyes don't see and their ears don't hear and their hearts are not open, we should dumb it down as far as we can. Make sure we don't use big words. Make sure we keep it real simple. You know, we'll make it like a kindergarten book. See God, see God love, see God love his people. We'll make it really, really, really simple. And Jesus does the opposite. Jesus is always telling a complex parable like this one. There was a sower and he started throwing some seeds and they landed on a bunch of different paths. Now he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How is Jesus explaining that this is the reason for parables? I think it is interesting how the parable ends. And you might notice that Jesus does this a lot. You might have actually in our revelation Bible study at 930, if you're interested, Revelation Bible study 930, but that's an aside. You'll catch that Jesus says this to the churches over and over again. But notice it at the end of verse at verse nine of chapter 13. That's not just a sign off. Anyone who has ears, listen. That wasn't just I told my parable goodbye. He's asking a question here. He's making a proclamation. Who wants to understand what I just said? I just told a story about a sower casting seeds on soils. Whoever has ears, let them actually listen. Whoever has ears, let them actually perceive and consider exactly what I just said. He's not dumbing down the gospel at all, but rather doing something difficult. He's making and telling stories that are actually hard to understand. And what is he wanting to do with that? Why tell a story in that way? Why is he trying to do something like that? And here's the big reason why is what Jesus is doing is telling God's truths in a way to see who's going to be dismissive and who's going to try to understand. That's how he's ending the parable. Who wants to understand what I just said? Whoever has ears, let them listen. 
It's a confusing story, one that is very easy to be dismissive about. Oh, there's crazy Jesus. Tell another story about sowers and grounds and seeds being scattered. I don't even know what that was about. That was a waste of time. Here we came to hear amazing truths of Jesus, and he just kind of dropped seeds and sower business, and I don't even know what that was about. Jesus was speaking in a way that had been so easy to just walk away and go, I don't even get that. What was that about? That was over my head. That doesn't make any sense to me. But he's sifting out. Who has the dull hearts? And who really wants to know? And this, I think, is such an interesting and important picture that Jesus is presenting. That the mission that we have and the one that Jesus took upon himself was not to walk around telling easy things that everybody would grasp, but rather he told hard things to see who really wanted to learn, who really wanted to see, hear, and understand, and who actually would be ultimately dismissive. And I think this is a critical truth for us because There is a great belief in the general church religious Christendom world that what we need to do is not talk about hard things. Let's not pull out hard texts. Let's not talk about things that are difficult. We'll just stay in the easy. We'll just keep doing the Sermon on the Mount, though that's actually not easy. If you pay attention to that, Jesus with a sledgehammer right there. That's that's some tough stuff that he's laying out right there. But we'll just kind of stay on the basics over and over again. It's easy to want to think that the way to reach people, the way to get a crowd, the way to keep a crowd, the way to teach a crowd is to just stay simple, just stay low level. And I want you to see that Jesus did not do that. He told stories, complex stories, to strain out who really wants to learn, who really wants to seek, who really wants to understand, and who is not really looking at all. And I want us to think about, it would be easy to think that way, well, there's, there's some hard stuff in God's word. We should stay away from that kind of thing. You know, there's some real complexities in there. And what Jesus is doing is saying, actually, I'm using that. I'll come back to that in a minute. But I want you to notice verses 16 and 17, because this rounds out the important explanation. Verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but do not see it, and to hear what you hear, but do not hear it. So, you're blessed. My disciples are blessed because they are able to truly see and truly hear. Now, let me ask this. Why are they able to truly see and truly hear? 
Why are they understanding the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom? Why is it that they comprehend and the crowds do not? And sometimes you'll read a book and they'll say, well, it's because Jesus, you know, opened their brains and gave them special understanding. Well, then open all of our brains and give us special understanding. That'd be a whole lot easier. That's not the answer. It's not what's going on here. The disciples are the only ones who are willing to go beyond the surface level. You'll see that happen a little bit later on. It happens here, but notice it'll happen again. In verse 36, after telling another parable, verse 36 of chapter 13, the, then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. That's Jesus' intent. He's dropping complex spiritual stories to see. You as an ear, let him hear. <clears throat> Who wants to come in and figure it out? Disciples of Jesus hear hard things and are not dismissive. Disciples of Jesus hear hard things and go, I need to figure that out. God said something that I don't understand. I need to figure out what that means. Disciples of Jesus do not go, well, that's kind of hard. Oh, well, set that to the side. You know, the Bible has just got some real complexities, some real hard stuff, and they're really over my head. So I, I just don't touch it. That's not what disciples do. Disciples dig in to use the image. They don't look at the pantry and go, well, I can't find it, so I guess I'm good. Oh, well. Disciples of Jesus are willing to unload the pantry until they are able to find what they're looking for. That's what these disciples are doing. Jesus, why are you talking in parables? Jesus, explain to us the meaning of this parable. Jesus, why did you tell them that? Why is this going on? I don't understand. Explain to me what's going on. The disciples are doing that over and over and over again. Why is he talking to the crowds like that? To see who will do it. To see who's going to do the same thing. So that when Jesus gets out of the boat in verse 10... And walks off. Who's going to come running after him and go, wait, 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 wait. That couldn't have been just a story about sower seeds, ground and birds. What do you mean? What was that all about? There's something there that I'm missing. Tell me, fill me in. And I want you to notice that's exactly now what happens in verses 11 and 12. I told you I was holding that. Come back to verses 11 and 12, what, what Jesus tells them there. In verse 11, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, for they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Why are the secrets of the kingdom given to the disciples? Again, not special insight, but they're the ones truly seeking, which makes sense of verse 12. Verse 12 is not a financial motif here. Verse 12 is 
those who are trying to understand and figure it out and seek out these complexities, God's going to give them an abundance of more understanding. To those who have, they're seeking, they're looking, they're finding. I'll give you all kinds of the secrets of the kingdom. You're going to understand all kinds of wealth in terms of the kingdom of God. But to those who are dismissive, never going to see it. If I go into the word of God the way I go into my pantry, never going to see it. And you can sit there and think, oh, I'm looking, I'm really looking. And the problem that he points out there in verse 12, even what you have will be taken away. You're never going to get it. If the complexities of God's word turn you off, then you're never going to get it. If the challenges in the word of God do not cause you to want to figure it out, to seek it deeper, to try to get better understanding, then you're never going to have understanding is what Jesus says. There's a sifting that is going on. That Jesus is willfully doing this. And what I want to spend the last couple of minutes doing is just talking about us now. So what about us? There are so many concepts and so many teachings that require more than a minute of reflection. There are a lot of things in here that you are not going to get on a first pass. You're not going to get it on just flying through. That's like looking in the pantry like I look. Terrible. You're just going to, I don't see it. There are all kinds of challenges. And what Jesus is trying to do is to ask each and every one of us, are we willing to unload the pantry to find understanding? And so he's ultimately asking us to consider our hearts. God gave us hard books, hard teachings, hard concepts, amazing depth. So that we would know who we are. Does that make sense? I I capitalize the we in this. That's the emphasis here. Things are not easy and there are hard books, hard teachings, hard sayings, complexities Things that at the first level you go, wow, I have no idea what just happened right there. So that we would see who we are. Your response to complexities about God, about his word, about his teachings, reveals everything about us. It shows us who we are. And so if we are like, you know, Bible classes and Bible studies that you guys do all the time, man, that stuff, I just, you know, you know, over my head, I I, I have no idea, no idea what's going on. That's saying something about us. That's what Jesus is saying right here. If you're dismissive and go, yeah, that, you know, I know you guys are doing revelation. I mean, you have to have a. THD, PhD, you, got, you know, that's, a, that's just, you know, I am just not smart. You, no, you are smart enough. But God's doing something. 
He wants to know, do you want to know? Do you really? Or do you just kind of want to look at it and go, well, I I looked at it. I've been looking at it a lot. I've looked all over the place and I just don't get it. Did you really look? Are you looking like I had to look? Are you looking the way God wants you to look? He gave us these things so that we would be challenged. Sometimes people wonder, you know, why, why are you doing lessons like Ezekiel for crying out loud, Ezekiel? Shows who we are. You want to figure this stuff out or not? You might remember the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans and told them the, the things written in the past. And it doesn't say, well, it was written for them and we can kind of, you know, make some great applications to our lives today by looking. That's how we often treat uh, the 39 books of the Old Testament. It was written to them and we can get some nice lessons from time to time. That's not what Paul said. You know that Paul said it was written For your instruction? Isn't that mind-blowing? He didn't say, well, it was written in the past and you can get something here or there. Hope you can kind of derive some kind of Christological salvation picture and there you go. It was written for, did you, Zechariah was written for you. Habakkuk was written for you. Nehemiah was written for you. All of those books were written for your instruction. I'm always crack up about Paul telling Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for all of these things and reproving and correcting and making the person of God complete. When Paul wrote that to Timothy, what books existed? (laughs) What were all the scriptures back then? (laughs) Nothing that started at Matthew forward. It was everything before Matthew. That that would make you wise to salvation? Yeah, because it was written for you. He gave us those things to see if we'd want to figure it out or not. He didn't make Leviticus so that when you start your annual Bible reading plan that you'd crash and burn in February and go, well, there it goes. Leviticus. You know, what can we ever do about Leviticus? Shows us who we are. Hard teaching, hard concept, hard books, amazing depth in God's word to see if we want to figure it out. Do we want to learn? Do we want to find these truths? I am amazed after all of these years that I have been preaching that you can come back to something and see something that you've never seen before. Because you were looking and you saw some things and then you come back another time and you look again and go, get those out of the way. Look at that. There's another thing right there. there there's some more amazing things. In just a couple of weeks, I'm going to do some Sunday night lessons that way. Some things of passages you go, oh, I already know that one. No, unbelievable. The things that we just didn't see. Here's the reason why Jesus speaks in parables. Because Jesus is looking for sincere seekers. That's what it's about. He's sifting. Do you really want to know him? 
Do you really want to know what he has to say? Do you really want to know the mind of God and the depths of his love? Or do you want to stay surface level? And what an indictment Jesus gives. Go back to verse 15. Jesus says, I would heal them if they would look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their hearts. If if they would open their eyes and open their ears and open their hearts, they would turn and I would heal them. So is the problem with God? No. The problem is the crowds don't want to see. And what a way to say that. Because wouldn't you think of all the people who want to see it's the crowds that are coming to Jesus? Jesus doesn't say this about the people who didn't come. You know, all those people who are always going by the sea. You know, I got other stuff to do. They all crowded to him at the sea. And he said about them, they don't want to see. Now, they look like it. You know, what, they're all in the building, but who wants to see? They all think they want to see, but I'm going to say things in a way to see who really wants to see. Because verse 15 is the point. The people's hearts have grown dull. They've become hard of hearing. And they've shut their eyes. It's just dulled them over. And I'm saying these things in a way to try to spark within them something that will help them see that they actually don't see at all. So let me end with this then. True disciples truly seek. And God's not trying to keep you from understanding. God's trying to show you who you are. And try to show where your heart is. Is it dull? Or is it excited to unload the pantry of God's knowledge? And to dig into the depths and see everything that God has to offer for your life. We haven't even begun to see all that we could possibly see in this thing. I feel like it's the tip of the iceberg every time we come to it, that we are just getting a little bit again and a little bit again. And I hope this lights a fire in you to want to know, to say, I'm not going to be dismissive about those crazy teachings and hard books and difficult subjects. That God's challenging me. He's pushing me. To see, do I really want to come to him with all of my heart or not? And as we conclude this morning, can we help you learn about Jesus and his word? That's what we're here for. That's why every week when you come, I open a paragraph and say, here's what it says. And we're here to help you learn. You are welcome to come to us anytime and say, didn't make sense. I try to do everything I can not to be the reason of complexity. And the complexity stays that God said hard things so that we would seek him 
that we would just run after him and try to go, Jesus, Jesus, what'd that mean? What'd that mean? Why did Ezekiel see a crazy vision of God? What in the world is going on with that thing? That's unbelievable. What is that? Why in the book of Revelation, we have dragons and beasts. What is happening there? Don't understand. I want to see. What about you? Do you want to see? Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would allow us this moment to evaluate our, our, our hearts and to help us consider if we are deluding ourselves with our sight. That, Lord, you have spoken to us in a way to challenge us and to reveal where our hearts are. And Lord, I pray that you would expose our hearts in such a way so that we could know that if we are really looking for you or if we have dull hearts. Lord, forgive us for when we have been dismissive of your word. When we have not been interested in digging deep. When we have found no joy in grabbing on to your word. When we have not wanted to understand the great secrets that you have revealed in your word. Forgive us for when we have had dull hearts, closed our eyes, shut our ears, and closed off our minds. Lord, I pray that we would be the disciples that you want us to be, that you would inflame our hearts in such a way so that we would be sincere seekers. Help us to be the people that just devour your word, who want nothing but more of it, no matter what it is. And help us to dig deep and drink deep from the great fountains of your word so that we can enjoy the living waters that you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for your challenge. We know that you have put this in the way for us so that we would be seekers of you in the way that you want us to be. Help us to evaluate and help us to change. In Jesus' name, amen. What a challenge of how to speak to a crowd. If Jesus hadn't done that, I would say that's not how you talk to a crowd. You don't stump them. And Jesus said, I'm going to stump them. I'm going to throw them a curveball so I can see who's dull and who's seeking. Jesus wants seekers. Can we help you find him today to turn away from sin? To confess him to be the son of God who died for your sin. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. We want to help you do that. But if you're not ready for that, an offer that I make to every single person, usually the first few weeks when I meet you, but I will make it universal as an important reminder. I'm here to help you. If you are interested in getting to know God's word and trying to figure that out better, let us help you do that. Tell me. When I say to you, are you interested in knowing more about us or knowing more of God's word? That's not just a friendly offer. That's true. I'll meet with you. And you can learn about the great things in God's word. Can we help you? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?